I was thinking as I was moving through the crowd and reading about the families and all of the going through various things, physical things, I realized when I woke up this morning just how precious life is, huh? How precious every life is. God's the creator. He's the sustainer. We have no right to mess with life. God is for life. In Isaiah 49, it says, I cried out to him from the womb. Isaiah 139, I mean, uh, Psalm 139, talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. In the utter place of seclusion, Lord, you were there. We believe that, don't we? And we want to do everything we can. And I just remind you how precious life is. I, I felt the emotion when I had some of you tell me about a little one that's facing a procedure and it's out of your hands and it's in the Lord's and doctors. And all, just things like that today. All that we feel, that's how God feels about you and so much more. Do you understand that? And so that's why we just cast our cares upon him today and say, Lord, I know in this, this generation, you know, in this culture, truth seems to be all but obscured, but Lord, we look to you because you're our source of truth. We're gonna take the truth from your word. We're gonna live out your word in love and reach people, and we're not gonna just be for this or against that. We're gonna do everything we can to come down on the positive side of life and to make a difference. Because what's our goal in our spiritual journey? We wanna be on God's side, don't we? We want to be on God's side. We want to align. So don't be sucked in to our culture. Don't be sucked in. Stand strong in the truth. Thank you so much for your involvement in 21 Jumpstart. It officially concludes today, and I hope you've gone through the devotional and you've used that overflow. It's significant every day. They're relatively short. Yesterday's passage was longer out of Hebrews 11. I thought it was funny that I talked about it, Hebrews 11 last week, and they read the whole thing, and I closed my eyes, and it was just like my dad quoting it uh, yesterday as the scripture was read. But uh, obviously, these are just challenged, and I believe for some of you that have been doing it, maybe for the first time, you've been opening God's word every day, and I pray that you will continue, continue to do that, and give us reports, good reports of what God is doing in and through your life as you maintain that relationship with him. So we've been talking about, and we're going to continue today in a couple more weeks, about the, the concept of living transformed. And, and I've been talking about P words, and, and today the key word is really appropriate because it's power. Does anybody need the power to do what pleases him? The scriptures say clearly in a new life verse that I've been wearing out for myself and for you is this, for God is working in you, giving you the, what, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We talked about last week, not just being hearers only, but being doers of the word. It's not going to make a difference if it gets on you, on you, on you. It has to get in you, in you, in you. And God's word in you is living and active and powerful, and it begins to transform you from the inside out by calling attention to things that need attention. The God's spirit will put his finger upon. But, you know, when I read that verse, and I'll, and I'll hit it again, uh, I'm sure before I'm done this morning, in the next few minutes, but... 
I'm, I'm so thankful that he gives us the desire and the power. Somewhere, whoa, between those two, we're going to have to engage our free will. Even if you have the desire, that's not going to replace your free will. That's your want to. That's where you're going to have to establish saying, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to do what the Spirit has spoken to my heart. And this is what I call palms up living. And I just, I just think that's such a wonderful posture of worship. And, and I know we've talked about it regularly with a physical act. But it means open heart, open hands, doesn't it? And just saying, Jesus, really, I mean this from the bottom of my heart sincerely. My only hope is you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Jesus. And we're not alone. You're not alone, though you may be lonely. You're not alone because when you say yes to Jesus and come into a personal relationship with him by, by confessing your sin, by repenting of your sin, saying, I'm truly sorry, and by turning away from that and turning toward God and said, my life is yours. I give you my sin. I surrender myself. Unbelievable things begin to happen as you change directions. As the Bible says, all things become new. But between here and heaven, you're going to be on a continual growth track. And God knew in his wisdom and sovereignty that, that we weren't going to be able to do it by ourselves. So the whole idea of coming into the book of Acts after the Gospels is that Jesus said, you know, it's way better for you that I'm going to go away because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be your helper and he's going to guide you into all. He's going to guide you into all. So that must mean there is truth. I'm sorry, just don't swallow the postmodern concept that there is no absolute truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the and the life. And it's by receiving his word, receiving his spirit, that's how we learn to discern and hear his voice so that we know we can, we can, we can traverse our way through this tricky world and culture in which we're living because he's faithful and true. But it's his spirit in us. Before you make a trip to the cross, so to speak, and say yes to Jesus, to a relationship with him, you're never going to get there on your own, no matter how good you are or what your pedigree may be. That's not going to do it. It's only if you come into that saving relationship with God through Christ. But then there's going to have to be that surrender to a greater power than you. It's not our ingenuity. It's not our way of doing it. It's not our way of figuring out. It's opening up. The Holy Spirit has been working on you, drawing you, drawing you, drawing you. And we believe with all of our heart when you go to the cross and say yes to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit and he begins to work in you. But it brings you to a point of surrender and points of surrender. I think a mistake is that sometimes we think about surrender as being a point and happened back here 25 years ago. And I believe that's when you can say a huge yes to Jesus for sure. But that means that you're going to live a life, Andrew and I were talking this morning, about, about continual yeses. Do you understand that? That's what 21 Jump Starts about. It's about teaching us that we're going to live saying, Father, bring glory to your name today. I'm just going to say a big yes to you at the beginning of the day. Whatever you want to do in me and through me, I welcome it. I welcome it. I remember growing up, 
I alluded to it that altars were so central and they still are. I just loved it. Thank you, Jeremy, for your Pastor Jeremy, for your sensitivity and before prayer and opening the altar. I mean, there's just something powerful about coming and bringing our burdens, our joys to the Lord. I don't care if it's good, bad, ugly, whatever. There's just something comforting. There's something good. And not only for you, but thank you, those of you that were willing to come forward, because it just changes the whole atmosphere, doesn't it, of the service. I believe people that are online can sense and see the Holy Spirit's moving in this place, but he wants to move, but he wants us to be obedient and open to that. But I remember, as I've alluded to and told you stories of time and time again, that, that we had marathon sessions at the altar, not just at revivals, but, you know, because Sunday nights were very evangelistic. I mean, Sunday morning, you remember what happened. I mean, God's spirit would break in, and my dad wouldn't get to preach, and I absolutely loved it. I lived for those Sundays, you know. Even though service went longer than if he would have preached, probably, I loved it. And I remember being around. I, I, I could sit anywhere I wanted in the church as long as it was the first or second row. And I remember, no matter how, what was on my mind, I remember just being drawn in because God's spirit, when it's moving, is so contagious. And I can remember I was in the earshot. I, I could hear my mother. They'd get to a sticking point at the altar praying with somebody, praying through at the altar, and she'd start a song. You know, I mean, if she was praying with somebody, she'd start without it. If she's at the piano organ, she'd just start playing and singing. And many times we begin to sing songs maybe like we just sang a little bit ago and far more. God's spirit just moved in. But you know, the marathon sessions were always about, always about coming to a point of surrender. And I saw great outcomes and I saw not so good outcomes. I saw where somebody finally had a breakthrough, but, but the breakthrough came when they say, when they say and saying, I surrender all. And, and, and usually there was a thing attached to that lack of surrender. But the thing really wasn't the issue, the thing was really the heart. Got it? The thing represents a surrendered heart. And when they were able to truly lay that on the altar and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to add it, subtract, whatever. But I'm giving up. I'm surrendering to you. Victory, breakthrough always came and lives were changed. And I still believe that that's possible. And if you're stuck today, it's because probably there's some area of your life where you're not willing to say yes. We, we can make such idols out of the things God gives us about his, his grace out of his goodness from, from children to whatever, and then we can hoard and hold those things like they're our own instead of his, and those very wonderful things and blessings become idols. And he says, in Genesis, remember, no other gods, only me. No other gods. And it's those small G-O-D gods in our life that get us in a place of a sticking point where we're, we're not willing to unselfishly saying, all to Jesus I surrender. We, we go, some to Jesus I surrender. We never say that, but that's how we live. And therefore, we have an experience with God, but we leave and many times are unchanged because we're not willing to give them access to every single area, every relationship. Anything that you withhold from him is suspect. That's like bait for the enemy saying, here you go. So the question is, will you say yes to him? The Bible is so clear that how much God loves you. In John 3, 16 and 17, I never tire of reading this, for God so loved the world, and that's you and that's me. We put our names there. 
that he gave his only begotten son. Sometimes I just can't get beyond that. That whoever, whenever, wherever, however, whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Now, how many of you think you're going to encounter that and get over it? You're never going to get over that radical relationship because it's life-giving, it's life-changing. And no matter what the enemy who is the accuser of the brethren and the sisters says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be. And who does that include? Whoever. What have you done with that invitation? That stunning invitation. Because as I mentioned a few weeks ago, he's looking for you. He knows who you are. He knows you by name. But he's not calling you out. He's just calling you saying, where are you? I love you. I'm here for you. I can do things in you and through you that you could never do on your own. I can do things in you and through you that you could never figure out on your own. But will you come and identify yourself and say, Lord, here I am. I'm over here hiding and just admit it. I, I, I'm, I've messed up. I'm here there. But, but here I am, Lord. And he doesn't say, well, get over here. He comes to you. He runs to you. Knowing the need. In my devotions this morning, some of you read one year Bible. I love it. I, I to coin a phrase, and I don't even remember, uh, Nicky Gumbel said it, but I don't know if he's quoting somebody, but he said, how do you know that some of the best prayers we can pray at the beginning of the day are help prayers? You know? Like Peter, what was his most powerful prayer? I mean, he waxed eloquent, didn't he, in Acts chapter 2? I mean, he laid it on him. But you know what one of his most powerful prayers was when he was going down, sinking in the waves? Jesus, save me! which is Jesus help me. And some of us just need to stop looking within and we need to stop start looking up and saying, Jesus, I need help. Because he's got help to give. He's got power to spare. He loves you, your kids. He loves all those situations. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he's saying, won't you come to me? Come to me. In the shape you are, and I'll give you rest. Well, let me just tell you a few things that I want to leave with you. So I'll read again Philippians 2.13. Sorry for those of you trying to follow me. I'm not following anybody. So how could you follow me? But Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you. He may have just left you a message right now. <laughs> saying, where are you? <laughs> Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Are you willing to surrender to him and trust him enough? Could I just give you a few reasons why as I wrap up? 
First of all is that he promises to be an active helper, and I had scrolled in my margin, pray help prayers. He's here to help you. He's not here to condemn you. I've landed on that several times during the blessing season that I'll say it again because some of you need to hear it. And some of you, well, you said it once, why you said it again? Because that's what teaching is. I learned that when you're teaching something, repetitiveness is really helpful, is it not? My mother made me write things out all the time to better learn it. But I want to tell you this again. Condemnation is not from God. It's not from the Spirit. It's from the devil. And it is, a, it is an attempt to drive you away from God. That's why Satan gets that label, accuser. I mean, it's like he is the originator of taking cheap shots and trash talking. But conviction, on the other half, on the other hand, it's from the Holy Spirit, and it always is an attempt through your free will to move you towards God. I don't know about you, but I welcome conviction. I mean, though sometimes it feels like an affliction and I'm being inflicted with pain. I welcome it. I need it. How about you? But John 16, 13 tells us the truth that I read earlier expands on it. When the spirit of truth comes, there's that T word again. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. You can trust him. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit is the helper. And aren't you glad that he works full time? It's hard to find people that work full time nowadays. I mean, we're talking every shift he's on, 24-7, 365, he's always available. The Holy Spirit in you is there to help you. He never stops working. He never stops being available. Never. You don't need to preference, oh, dear Lord, sorry to bother you. What an insult. That's not his problem, that's your problem. That's not how he views you. That's how you view you. You have an audience. I used to love it, didn't you? You remember seeing the, the pictures of, of when John Kennedy was in the office in the early 60s? You remember little John being in there playing in and out of that desk? I mean, no matter what dignitaries were there, his boy had free access because that was his son. I used to love that image. He's available. I'll say it again that he's been working on you all along, but even before you said Y2JS to Jesus, but when you do, he begins to work in you in new and powerful ways. He, he's doing his work in you and through you even when you feel like you can never change because of your past or your history. He's present, he's living, he's active. He's always working on your behalf because he wants what's best for you. And could I encourage you today to tell you that he's working on your spouse and he's working on your kids and on your grands and on your great-grands as well. Did you know that? Amen. Find comfort and strength in that. He's available. But just because there's a help source available doesn't mean that we're prone to access it, does it? Because we're so stubborn and bent on doing it ourselves. We're reminded in the story, and I 
was going to read it verse by verse, but you can do it on your own. Acts 2, 1 through 13. I was just going to read it slowly with comment. But the Bible tells us specifically and implies this. Not only is he available, but he speaks your language. You know what happened in Acts chapter 2. People were gathered from all over the city, all kinds of backgrounds and other places, and God gave them the gift of communicating language in such a way that there was nobody there that had a lack of understanding. How do you know that's what he still does? He speaks your language. He speaks in such a way that you will recognize, that you will know his voice. What a promise. What a promise. He speaks in the own way, your own way that you can understand. He knows how you need to hear, when you need to hear, what you need to hear. He's not the God of confusion. And I was thinking about that and was thinking about that truth in that point of John 10 forward. It says that after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. The shepherd does, the good shepherd. And they follow him because what? Because they know his voice. I mean, come on. We know technology now can have voice recognition. The more you use it, the more you get used to your voice. If that's true in that sense, how much true, truer is that with your relationship with God? He knows your voice and you know his voice. Learn to recognize. Learn to listen. You won't have to strain to try to figure it out. You'll know his voice. This is the voice of my father speaking to my heart. He's faithful. And could I just throw this in? The Holy Spirit not only will talk to you, but he'll talk to your spouse and your children and your grands. You don't have to belittle them. You don't have to berate them. You don't have to try to stick their nose in truth or try to be the voice of God. Pray for them, pray over them, and let God speak to them. God's got them covered. I just threw that in for free. Not only does he speak your language, but the third one is this, and I'm nearly done. The Holy Spirit tells you who you are. Huh. The accuser will make up all kinds of lies. He'll label you because of what you were, what you did, who you used to be. But God's spirit is so faithful to speak to your identity. And he'll say, you are God's child. He's got you covered. Satan will try to tell you what you're not, who you're not, where you failed, but the Holy Spirit will love, remind you how much you are absolutely loved by God. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Revelation said he's that accuser I've been, I've been alluding to. But how many of you know that accusations are cheap and they don't have to stick? Do you know what they've done? Do you know who they are and what they are? Do you know where they've been? Do you know about that? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? He wants to rub your face, even in the non-existent forgiven past. I mean, I know what happened. You're a mess. You'll never be different. You're never going to get over this. You're a failure. You're worthless. Listen, that is not spirit, capital S language. Never has been, never will be. The Holy Spirit longs to embrace you. 
Do you know how much you're loved by Almighty God? Through my power, you can change for good. You're more than a conqueror. You can make and keep those changes. You're doing better than you think you are. I have plans and hopes and dreams. I have a future for you. Does anybody receive that today? I'll say it again. He wants to tell you and remind you how much you're loved by God right now. Right now. Not after. Right now. Yes, you are God's child. No, you can't change on your own, but don't underestimate the person and the power of the Holy Spirit who is in you. In you. And I believe in that recognizable voice. He begins to call out qualities and things that he sees in us that we don't even see in ourselves yet. But those things become predictors of the future. I love it when I hear parents telling their kids, not just out of words, but I love it because I saw you're caring, you're, you're kind, you're, you're thoughtful, you're loving, you're smart. I, I love it because we're calling out things, not because they always exemplify those, because we see and we believe those things are there. But that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does who is in us. Finally this. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you. But he can only work through truly surrendered people. Because if not, it gets derailed, it gets sidetracked, it gets, it gets self-inflicted in so many ways. But he wants to work through you, through a surrendered heart. He wants to do his best work through you. The ultimate power for his, the ultimate purpose for his power is to empower you and to empower others. Agreed? You know why? Because when that happens, there will be collateral impact (laughs) and life change. God works through the likes of you and me who go palms up and say, God. I'm going to give you my entire T list that we've been talking about. I'm living for you. As you get your eyes on God and keep them there, life will take a new direction. Joy, significance, perspective. I don't know about it in a world sense, but I'm going to tell you there's nothing better than to be used by God. You may not see it. You may not understand it first, but he is working. He is available. And he's already where you're going to be. He's there. So God is looking for people like you and like me who will yield and surrender completely to invite him to to lead, guide, direct, inspect, correct, whatever. And Lord, I give you my trust and my time and my talent and my treasure and my touch, my tears, my tongue and other teeth that I can't even think of. Lord, I surrender all. And I close with this story that I'm sure I've used before. I used recently with a lead, leader track thing a few months ago. But I love it and I think it's poignant. A pastor once went on a mission trip to Romania. You'll remember. He formed a strong bond of friendship with his native interpreter 
And towards the end of the trips, the pastor felt they were connected enough that he could ask that new friend about his perspective of American Christians, if you will. Romania, if you know any of the history there. With hesitation, because he didn't want to overstep, he said, I, well, pastor, I, I don't think that they really know what Christianity is about anymore. He said, back in the 1960s, you began to use the word commitment to describe your relationship with Christ. You want to make a commitment to Christ? And he said, when a new word comes into usage, usually an old word is replaced. And he said, until the 1960s, Americans always talked about surrendering to Christ. Big difference because surrendering means giving up control, turning over all to master Jesus. By changing your word to commitment, your relationship with Christ has become something, listen to this, something you do. Therefore, you are able to keep control. Surrender means giving up all rights to oneself. You Americans don't like to do that, so instead, you try to stay in control and only make a commitment. Powerful words, perceptive words. So God wants to do his work in you so he can do his work through you, through the person, the power of the Holy Spirit, through fully surrendered lives. He wants to take you and grow you to a level you've never been and beyond, and he's looking for you. Amen. I'm going to have you stand if you can as we conclude as I pray. The altars have been used today, and I love it. But if that's you, even as we close today, maybe you just want to step out and say, Lord, I've, there's been some battles that I've been fighting, and this is how I fight my battles, by coming to a posture of surrender, palms up, and I just want to give this to you, representing all of me. It may be something, but that's not what it is. I give you me. It's always proper to say, Jesus, I come to you. I want a relationship with you. I give you my sin. And then to move on saying, I give you myself. Whatever that struggle may be. So I'm going to pray. Nate's going to sing a little bit and we're going to conclude. But the altars are open. And you can most definitely make spiritual steps where you are online. You can take steps. But there's just something about the atmosphere. When we say yes to Jesus to in a moment, there's just something that solidifies it and makes it real. So I'm just going to invite you, any of you, to come and pray. As we conclude, you can pray alone. Somebody can help you if you need, need that. That's too true, but just obedient because God's presence has been here powerfully. Any deniers out there? Have you sensed his presence today? Father, thank you for your great, great love. Thank you that you know our identity. You know our need. You know that we're children of God when we said yes to you. May we say yes to the Holy Spirit who is in us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And if there's a point of struggle, a point of a lack of surrender, Lord, we, could, we come to you and say, Lord, I, I've tried on my own. I've tried to change. I've tried to get over it. But today, I'm talking surrender. I'm not just making a commitment to you. I'm surrendering my life to you completely. Take it, use it, because I want to live every moment of every day to please you, and that's how I'm going to evaluate my day. That's the lens. That's the prism I look through that I'm going to evaluate today. Have I lived to bring glory to your name? So God, I just believe that when we take that step that you want to do things that, that are way beyond what we could ask, think, or even imagine, 
when you have a house full of people that are totally surrendered to you. And may we take that step. I know some of us are at a struggle point, but it's never gonna happen until we engage our will and step into that grace place and receive all that you have for us. So thank you for your faithfulness. Let's just hover here a moment or two. Nate, do you have something you can sing? Lead us in if you know what's saying as a part of your prayer.